0: Welcome again to the Smart Post Sound SmartCast. My name is Joe Melody. I'm president of Smart Post Sound, and I'm here today with uh, Mark Freegan, Vice President of Smart Post Sound, and Tony Gort, who is Vice President of Smart Post Sound Canada. How are you guys doing today?
1: Doing, doing fine, well, Joe. Thank you.
0: That's great. Uh, so I wanted to get uh, I wanted to get Tony in on this uh podcast with us because uh, we're doing something unique up in Canada with uh, our expansion. And uh, I don't know if you can uh, articulate or tell us a little bit about what we're doing from your perspective up there, uh, Tony.
1: Joe, we're doing something actually that is, I think, one of the first things being done up here in Canada is that we're offering clients to be able to benefit from the tax credit and uh, get a lot of the work done up here, but at the same time, be able to stay in Los Angeles and do their playbacks uh, and finish their mixes down there. Uh, it's working really well, I think, Joe.
0: And so how much, how much of the work is actually being done up in Canada?
1: It depends on, on some of the shows we've done. Uh, on Siren, for example, we're doing most of the work up here. Mm-hmm. Started. Did you say uh, you said sirens? Yeah, the the, the episode, uh, the freeform series, siren. Okay. Yeah, where we do the dialogue editing, sound design, effects, Foley, uh, the and then two days on the dub stage, and then we have a final day uh, at Smart Post Sound in Los Angeles with playback with the clients.
0: And the way, uh, and the way I understand it, the clients in LA. They really don't know your crew up in Canada. The crew that they're associated with or that they recognize is the crew that they're working with on that last day of the mix. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, that's correct, Joe. We do do sound spots uh, before, beforehand, of course. So there is integration. I sit in with the sound spot using Pix. Uh, so there's communication uh, between me and the Los Angeles uh, production team. But you're, oh, yes. yeah, but you're right. Uh, once playback uh, starts, it's really, in, in their opinion, they can do all the changes right there and then. Uh, there's no such thing of as taking notes, sending it back up, waiting for another quick time to be downloaded the day later. Uh, they can actually hear the changes being done. I think that's just the way to do it. There's no other way to do it, actually. Uh, yeah
0: well let me ask a question so how how does that differ from doing a uh, source connect uh playback and fix
1: with source connect it does work i have to say uh it's still you're not in the same room i think it's okay. it's a creative process that we do for me to sit as a re-recording mixer with the, the client behind me giving them their direction me doing a quick little tweak it's just not the same than source connect uh, or sending notes, but uh, that's just my opinion, Joe.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I know that you and, uh, Mark Friesian just, uh, completed a pretty, a pretty challenging, uh, project. Uh, Mark, why don't you tell us a little something about that? We talked at the last podcast about it, but, uh, just, uh, remind us. Well, this was a, this was a movie for uh, Disney
2: plus, and we have a long history of, of working, with Disney and doing many of the Disney Channel movies. So this was a new opportunity for us uh, to work on this Disney Plus movie. Uh, But Disney is is, uh, of course liking the uh, tax breaks that Canada affords us. So we were asked to uh, work with Tony and his crew up there to get the editorial done. And uh, in this case, the spotting was done here in Los Angeles with myself and uh our ADR supervisor uh then the uh the show headed up to Canada where Tony just took it on and did an excellent job with the dialogue editing the sound design the sound effects editing and all the foley uh it was a very complicated show and quite an undertaking and uh, once the editorial was completed it was sent down here everything arrived uh all over the internet, uh, no problem there at all. All, this, uh, all the uh, shows, uh, the dailies uh, linked back up with the dialogue edit and all the sound effects came down and it was da- ready in plenty of time for a review by myself. And then it went on to the mix stage, uh, where it went quite well.
0: Well, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, we've heard over the years about uh, the relative strengths of the uh, Canadian uh, talent uh, pool up there. But what do you think the uh, strongest element that came, came down from Canada was in your opinion? Well, in my opinion,
2: um, that show was uh, when I watched it, it was overwhelming the amount of sound design there, Tony. I'm sure you can agree with that one. (laughs) Yes, I can. (laughs) And it's one of those shows where um, you just have to start. Uh, you got to start somewhere. You can't think about the whole show, but, but um, so the sound design was very creative, Tony. I got to tell you, I, I haven't spoken to you personally since uh, that mix, but you did a fantastic job. Um,
0: Thanks
1: Mark.
2: Yeah. There were so many ways to go. Uh, Cause it, the, basically the movie was a little bit, uh, there were superheroes. So it was a little bit like Marvel, Marvel in some ways. Uh, it was a little bit of a departure for Disney it was a little more edgy. Um, so all, everything was subjective. Each of these, uh, each of our characters had superpowers and they all, all had to have their own unique sounds. And, and like I said, it could have gone any which way. And, uh, Tony, you and your crew made some choices and, and I got to say they were almost, I, I would say they were always the right choice. I mean, it was, it was an interesting, uh, and I was enjoying it very much because I was, listening to stuff. And I went, Oh, wow. You know, maybe I wouldn't have thought of that, but Oh, look, look what he did there. And so that went really well. <laughs> and it, and we ended up with a show that was completely unique sounding, which is exactly what the show needed uh, being a departure from the normal Disney Disney channel stuff. So uh,
0: I couldn't have been happier with it.
1: Well, thanks Mark. But, and, to- and
0: Tony uh, how big a crew do you work with up there in Canada?
1: That depend. Oh, for for instance, on uh, Secret Society. Yeah. We I had uh, one dialogue editor. I had a, as we call up in Canada, a BG background editor. Uh, I don't know what you call it down in your hometown. And I right. I did all the sound effects and sound design myself. Um, actually, I had a lot of fun on the show. Um, it was of course in the middle of Siren, but I, I made time for it. I had put other editors on Siren for the time being, and uh, I'm glad I did it. It was, uh, yeah, a challenge that I enjoyed. And uh, and it's one thing, Mark, as Mark mentioned, working up here, though, you are a bit uh, alone in a sense that I don't have a director that I can pull in and, and say, have a listen to this. Of course, I could have easily sent them stuff, but I think, uh, you know, we had a, tr- a fairly quick turnaround on it, but um, I- I'm glad it worked out. I really am. Um, yeah, it did. And again, knowing yeah. that time, you know, Mark, you would have had time, I assume, to address any changes that, that they didn't like. And I hope there weren't too many for you.
2: There was the normal amount. And it was only, only things that were, like I said, all subjective. And there, I was never feeling like I didn't have what I needed. It was a, a lot of things were just moved or one or two things added. But that's, that's absolutely normal, you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was great. And uh, I got to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, having the people in the room, you know, the source connect does work and, and we can make it work. And so if that's the option, there's a way to yeah. make it work. But being in the room, uh, there's a lot of little tells that uh, come across from the client. I mean, you you can uh, sense something in, in a pause or you can hear a slight difference in their voice that maybe you wouldn't normally be able to hear over the phone but yeah mixers and supervisors are both very aware of how the how it feels in the room and you can tell if a, w- a room's going well you just there's a feeling of positivity very and true on the source connects uh there can be like moments of silence that could be interpreted in any way <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. like i said we can absolutely do shows like that and it does come down there and and you know what happens there is you figure out how to do it but uh people in the room there's no substitute for that uh that collaborative effort
0: well it's funny that you uh, mentioned that uh, mark because uh, david floor mixes these shows for disney so that's who you work with and i don't know if he still does it but what he was always famous for doing uh when he, when i worked with him he always used to have a rearview mirror sitting on his uh console so that he never had to turn he could always just look at that mirror and see the body language and the facial expressions of the clients so that he always knew if he was on the right track and so that uh you know that supports what you're saying as far as the power of having people in the room yeah that's an
2: interesting i didn't see a mirror this time he may have some (laughs) he may have some other trick up his sleeve but he he does a great job
0: with the room of course he's a total pro now, uh, these uh, Disney Channel movies, uh, and I would extend this to Netflix and all the streaming services, but I'll use Disney Channel because we have a lot of history with them. Uh, these are really mixed like feature films. Is that correct? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, they're, they're, the tracks are as complex and uh, the layouts are very similar. You know, this was an Atmos mix, so that that was a whole uh, another, you know. Thing to dive into so yeah this was a feature mix uh, there was even some talk for a little while of going into features with this movie
0: ah and let me ask you a question so uh you you mentioned atmos and i know that that's becoming uh more and more prevalent so for the for the people listening that don't really know atmos or understand atmos could uh, either of you speak to the difference that uh, that they should expect Working in Atmos or experiencing an Atmos mix. Well, I can say
2: what I what I know. Um, basically, it's it's uh, it's a lot more speakers. Um, there are uh, we did in this case we did uh, nine point one, which is uh, you know normally we do a five point one. We did a, a nine point one or nine point two bed. So, in that sense, um, sound effects, um, music backgrounds. Everything has a 9-1 bed and then in addition to that you have what they call objects which basically you can move a sound around the room and so what it does is it it takes a a sound like a bird chirping and you can actually take that sound and depending on how it goes through the Atmos uh, encoders you, you can have it play on one speaker at a certain level and another one at another level and another one at another level and so the mind perceives that sound to be anywhere in the room that we want to put it so it gives a get more immersive experience for the listener
0: and uh, and tony do you uh do you prepare the tracks differently if you're uh, doing an atmos build
1: um i have the capability uh, me and mark discussed it actually on this one and we had sort of decided not to well not for me to do too much preparation. It, it can actually mess up a re-recorder, I think, if there's too much pre-mixing being done for for them to undo it if it's, if it's not done well. Uh, so often the guys will make actually object tracks and then let the re-recorder uh, mixer take it from there. But in this case, we did a, a fairly wide layout, but there were no dedicated object tracks now. Yeah,
2: but with the layout, um, ahead of time, Dave, uh, Floor, and myself, and Ben Wilkins, who's who mixed the sound effects, we we had mm-hmm. a number of conversations over the phone, and with the uh, tight schedule of, uh, I believe it was a eleven day mix, um, with that tight schedule, we decided to to keep it a bit simple and and not get too spread out on the tracks, and uh, it worked out fine. Everything we end up with a really great sounding show, and and the way it works is those decisions can be made pretty quickly once uh as long as uh Tony's consistent and he was with his layout we can quickly kind of get a, a a handle on like where things might be and usually that's where they are and and we can uh spend our time moving them to the right spots although in the case of the gigantic laser beam scene that we did that one was uh we could have spent weeks on that one scene alone and, <laughs> We ended up moving a couple lasers around, but most of it's just uh, just in the beds. But it sounded yep. fantastic. Wow.
0: Yeah, where do you where do you get your sounds, Tony? I mean, do you make a lot of your sounds, or do you work from a standing library? I or, or how, I, how do you do I that? use
1: a combination. I use a library. I do use a sampler a lot, uh, so I create a lot of sounds that way. Uh, on this particular show, uh, Mark, you remember. The, the girl called Roxanne, She her, one of her powers was she could disappear. And there was a sound yeah. that she kind of goes in and out. Uh, that actually, I ended up using a program called uh, Reformer Pro. So it's actually for anim- yeah. futures in there. I used a bit of uh, static white noise, interface static. I used even a termite nest and some rhythmic clicks. So that, those were mixed together. And then I actually used my voice. Oh, wow. To as I'm watching it and I'm speaking into the mic or making <laughs> sounds like that. And that triggered then that plug-in as I, you know, go along the scene. So I didn't have to cut it out. But the beauty about that is it was always different sounding. It's not like I have one sound I cut up. It it Depending on my voice, I could accent how much, uh, you know, that disappearing sound or how strong it would be. Uh, so that was a kind of a neat experiment experiment with this uh, movie.
2: That worked really well. And what I also liked about it, it sounded very or- organic in a sense, but also it was a performance. Like you say, it wasn't as out of a library. It felt different yeah. each time, slightly different. Another thing I thought you did a really great job on, maybe you can talk about this a little bit. It was the, uh, when they were getting ready to do the obstacle course, all the, uh, uh, floors appearing and the blocks assembling, that was all really cool stuff. And I know there was a lot of mixing down you did there, because. Uh, but what you came up with some liquid type sounds that were really cool. How did you make some of those sounds? Uh,
1: well, actually, the flo- I'll start with the flooring. I the flooring actually I grabbed my rubber boots, and I actually just slammed them together. <laughs> And then actually tighten that space, and then I threw that into a sampler and used an actual um, uh, envelope. uh, can't think of the word. It's my English. Um, To change the envelope as I played it. That gave you that kind of like a rubber track sounding thing. Uh, But what I used a lot is the, uh, actually, they call it futuristic guns. They have some interesting sounds to it. Cla- yeah,
2: yeah. The note there <laughs> yeah. from the spot was that the lasers needed to have more power than their temp mix. And uh, you nailed that one.
1: Well, thank you. Well, actually, no, I'm talking about the little blocks being built. Oh, right. That's what I actually used guns being loaded. Like, uh-huh. yeah. And it's sort of more like a metallic sound of it. It was a combination of stuff. But I, I was concerned because that was. If you're playing that, what I had just in the stereo mix, it's just a wall of noise. But I knew this is where Atmos could really shine, because we have panels that are showing up in the ceiling. We have walls that are snapping up against the sides. And then we have all those blocks building in the middle. So I think once that probably opened up in the room, uh, I hope it wouldn't have been such a disaster, you know, as it felt like sometimes.
2: No, that was that was a tough scene, because yeah. in a visual effect like that, there was almost too much going on in the frame and we did mix that for a long time to try to uh, make it distinct there was just so much going on there but
0: the sounds were great
1: well thank you thank you yeah
0: well that's uh that's all very interesting now has this uh has this film actually been uh streamed or been uh available to see or is it still to come no actually we uh we haven't
2: uh it's still to come and what's kind of interesting about that is um as we were mixing this whole pandemic was starting up uh, with the COVID. So we became concerned that we were not gonna be able to finish our mix. Disney uh, realized that we were far enough along, we were more than halfway. And they just said, well, why don't you guys finish it and uh, come in, you know, be safe, wear masks, do all the things we're supposed to do, wipe down the equipment. But we basically mixed that show, the entire show, with just Dave, Ben, and myself, and Chad was there as well. We were, no one else ever came because they didn't, didn't want to break quarantine. And in this case, we sent out DVDs and, uh, and also streaming uh, on their, I think it's pics they use. Yeah, that's and right. And we got notes that way and did uh, address the notes on the final day.
0: Well, uh, I couldn't have made a better uh, transition to uh, the world that we're all living in and dealing with right now. And uh, this was the other uh, thing I wanted to talk about uh, because, first of all, Tony, what is going on up in Vancouver as far as uh, the lockdown? Are you guys still working? Is there anything to work on?
1: Um, There is stuff going on still, uh, but it's mostly shows that have wrapped already uh we're finishing i'm finishing one episode on siren um i'm starting on some documentaries but otherwise you had slowed down a lot uh and uh we're hoping production will start maybe by end of May um to turn around a lot of a lot of those uh, shows will be six weeks that we'll start seeing them again but yes it is um most people are working from home yeah uh
0: It was interesting. I was on a a phone call with uh, a bunch of production people. I was one of two or three post people. And it's a a very interesting story that uh, your production people are telling. And um, it has me a bit concerned because a lot of it seems to hinge on the ability to get insurance. And also the ability to uh, make sure that they don't end up with a... uh, a lead or some key character uh, you know, catching the virus before the shoot is done and needing to uh, shut down and, uh, and take that loss. Mm -hmm. But, um, but as far as post-production is concerned, um, we're operating down here very much the way any business would, you know, we're, we're able to do the social distancing. In fact, uh, on uh, one of our shows we have the mixers actually working in two different stages and, uh, can't get more distant than that. But, uh, and, uh, and of course the stages are big enough in most cases to, to stay far away, but I'm trying to have a positive spin on this. And, uh, from a creative standpoint, because what I'm noticing and maybe you uh, have a, a feeling about this when, we do remote playbacks for a director, either in his home or her home, or when we send them to a stage where there are no other individuals and they're watching more or less a finished mix and they can react to it. I feel as though we are getting better notes, smarter notes. Do you have any uh, experience with that uh, related, not just to COVID, but uh, to uh, other projects uh,
1: you know, that you've worked on? Um, you talking to me, Joe? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, well, taking a step back, I think our industry is nothing new. What a lot of people have to deal with in, in the last few weeks. Um, as we discussed earlier, we are sending mixes around uh, and we are getting notes. And, and yes, you're right. A director has a chance to hit rewind or listen to a scene at his comfort and not you know, have to worry about the clock so much. Uh, I think that's what you will find. What I have experienced though, I must say with sending people a quick time that sometimes you do, they'll go through it like a fine tooth comb, which is fine. Uh, but I think when you sit in a room, in a large room with, with a group of people, you look, you look and you listen to it as a whole, uh, just like the audience is essentially. But, uh, but yeah, it all depends on the, on the, on the client, I think. But...
0: well i guess what i'm uh, saying and mark maybe you can chime in a lot of uh, uh producers directors editors post supervisors uh when they are sitting through every minute of the mix sometimes they don't know when to speak sometimes they don't know you know what they're listening to or whether it's time to comment And if nothing else, you know, they watch us burying bodies all day and they don't forget. So uh, uh, when they're able to react to something that is basically done, except it doesn't have their take on it, I'm wondering if uh, maybe that is not a preferable way to uh, get notes from a, a, you know, creative person especially when you consider how quickly you can accomplish the notes. Yeah. Well, that's, you didn't used to be able to do it. that
2: That's actually, uh, I've been around for that change. I mean, back in the day the everyone would show up, the entire creative team would show up at uh, 10 to nine, the very first day of the dub. And then you would, every, every single time at lunch, you, the, the director or produce, actually the producer would come up to you and say, why is it taking so long? And it's very simple. It's because the mixers and, and so on, are trying to do some technical notes. We're getting creative notes. Uh, It's a big cacophony of, and no one's making any moves forward. So that's, over the years, that had already changed, even way before this COVID. And most of my shows are are mixed uh, at least one pass with just the mixers and the supervisor. And so we spend our time uh, getting all the hums and clicks out and so on but we're also doing the creative notes based upon the spotting session. And that's where a a good supervisor can step in and do a little bit of guidance here and there based upon what was talked about, the spotting and perhaps a a temp mix that we're getting, you know, we're using as our guide, but uh, pretty much people haven't just sat there, the whole mix. So that's sort of changed. And that's, and like you say, that's much better because then the clients can walk in and listen to an entire show and uh, get, a, get a feel for it at, in a, at a run and then they can dismiss all of the um technical notes those have been done and they can go purely for creative which is what they what they're wanting to do anyway in addition uh like you mentioned the notes go very very quickly because we've already been through all these sections mm-hmm. and I agree. every every mixer once they mix a sound they remember where that sound is and and so does the supervisor. And so we know where we can, if they say we want to raise that dog bark, we know right where that is. And, and everything is, and we've already uh, perhaps uh, moved an ADR line earlier and it didn't work. And we can just say, we we tried that. Uh, We'll show it to you, but we did try that. It didn't work. And they'll say, okay, great. I'd like to see it anyway. But all that goes really quickly. Um, I, the only thing that has changed more recently is the remote nature of our uh, craft, which is the, which is that we were talking about quite a bit today with the remote playbacks and so on. And with the COVID, it's probably just going to increase even more. And uh, I think that will, in the end, be beneficial for our business, giving us more, much more flexibility for our clients because um, yep. they'll be out getting their show, next show ready. <laughs> Well, we're we're mixing away, and then the the uh, playback will be at their convenience.
1: No, I agree, Mark, and I, I and I think you are right. I think for the product and for the client, it is actually better for the for the product, as you mentioned. You know, you get more, better quality technical time on the on the mix uh, without somebody wasting their time sitting behind you. And yes, the playback and then addressing all the fixes uh, seems the way to go, right?
2: And I also find that you, when you do mix that way. You end up with multiple playbacks. You, get, you usually get one for the group, uh, the first group, the mixers and the supervisor. You usually get one for uh, the creatives after their notes, and then you get the final big playback. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and in each playback, the show, it always gets better. And so with the three playbacks, it's, the sh- by the time you're done, you, you have something that, I mean, the last 20 mixes or more, I have not had a single moment that I didn't think was good. And I'd had no cringe-worthy moments. They were all worked out and sounding great.
0: Well, and you know, uh, there's another aspect to this. I was talking to one of our clients last week, uh, a very low-budget client, I might add. And so her question is, "What can we do to, you know, to control costs?" And I said, "Well, this is something that COVID may provide for us, because." the less time that the director and producer actually spends in the room. It allows us to use uh, younger talent to accomplish the first pass. So for instance, you may have a workflow where uh, a young mixer that's very good, but just isn't known, could edit and mix and pre-dub the dialogue. And likewise with a sound effects uh, mixer that is not known. It, it really doesn't matter as long as they get to a point where you can put the director or the producer in a room with your number one guy or your number one woman. And that's who they interface with to do their to do their fixes. But it means that you're using less expensive talent to get to that 90 uh, percent mark and you use your best people to do that extra 10 percent that we all strive for. And I don't know if that, uh, you know, makes any sense to you guys. But uh, what do you think? Oh yeah,
2: absolutely, it does. And another thing that it affords us is uh, time management can be handled slightly differently. Uh, you know, we can we can stagger the mixers. Uh, we could have the dialogue guy come in early and the effects guy stay a little later. Uh, we can do we can start on the next episode at the end of a day when we're. When we're at a point that we decide we're ready for the playback, well, we're not done with our day yet. Let's go ahead and throw the next episode up. Things like that can also right. help with uh, costs. Yeah.
1: And, and if and if I might it, add yeah, it, also, Joe, you can have your dialogue mixer in the smaller room doing a pre-dup on the dialogue uh, if he's without clients and the effects editor in a, in a different room again as well, right?
0: Absolutely. Yes. And uh, it also means that you can use smaller stages because uh, – without clients to entertain, you know, you really just need good technology to, uh, to accomplish, uh, to accomplish yep. the job at hand. So, uh, so anyway, I just wanted to uh, see if we could, uh, you know, dig out just one ray of sunshine from uh, this uh, nightmare that we're all currently going through. And uh, I think maybe we did. And so uh, I think I'm going to call this one to a close. And I want to thank both of you for uh, taking the time to uh, come on and talk to the audience and tell them, uh, you know, what you know and share with them your experiences in this uh, very, very exciting uh, world that we live in called post-production audio. So thanks, thanks Joe. So was my pleasure. Thanks, Joe. Okay. And until and so we'll be signing off. And until next time, uh, take care and uh, stay safe.